Welcome to EXPDET, the podcast. My name is Ned, and today we have a special episode for you, an inspiring talk with Jennifer Johnson, Ian Perry, and Ann Perry, who are doing incredible work with AFSP here in Michigan, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and Jennifer, Ian, and Ann really share some helpful, helpful tools and tips and strategies as it relates to mental health and suicide prevention. Here's our conversation. Okay, very, very honored to have three amazing individuals on the show today. Jennifer Johnson, Ann Perry, and Ian Perry, thank you all so, so much for joining. This is a, a bit of a, of a, a different show, but a really, really important show. Um, we're going to focus today on, on mental health and suicide prevention with September being Suicide Prevention Month. And I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves and talk about your connection to mental health, suicide prevention, and to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So um, maybe, um, Anne, if you'd like to go first, uh, then we'll go Ian and, and Jennifer, um, and we'll start there. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having us. I, I really appreciate you covering you know, this topic. Um, my name is Ann Perry. I am the area director for Michigan for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I became involved when in 2007, I lost a very good friend, Mark, to suicide. Um, and it was shortly after that, that same year that I found um, a walk nearest to us. And hopefully we'll get to talk about our walks, but those are some of our signature events through AFSB. So I attended that walk and instantly felt um, the power that was there, the connection with people that understood that that grief um, and what that what that was like. So it meant a lot to me right from the beginning. And it made sense for me to channel my grief in that way by um, honoring Mark and, and attending that walk year after year, which I did for many years um, before I started volunteering for AFSP in 2014. Um, and I did, I wore many different hats as our volunteers usually do, um, in my time that I was a volunteer, I chaired our Metro Detroit walk for four years. And I served on our board of directors for three years before stepping into the staff role, uh, a little over two years ago. So I live, breathe, eat all of this work. Um, it's not just a job to me. It's so much more than that. It's, so I'm still finding ways to honor Mark and now along you know, in the last 14 years, I also have people in my life who currently struggle, who have what we refer to as lived experience. Um, and so I do this work to support them as well. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being here. Ian? Like Annie, like Annie had said uh, earlier, we uh, found the Out of the Darkness Walk um, in our local area uh, in 2007. And we went and walked uh, as a small team and um, the following year, we uh, grew that team into a much larger team, started fundraising um, for the event. Um, and then Annie started getting volunteer roles thrown at her. And before we knew it, she took the walk over. And um, I got more involved uh, as an individual volunteer myself. And um, I've had multiple suicides, both um, from my time on active duty as well as my time um, uh, back in the civilian world. Um, 
So Mark was the second uh, 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 suicide that I directly was impacted by. Um, and the walk, for sure, our first walk was super impactful, like Annie had said, and, and it really solidified our our um, uh, commitment to the organization. Um, so I've been a board member. Um, and when Annie got uh, the um, staffing position, I had to step down. I'm currently the Project 2025 champion, which is quite uh, a title. Um, I'm working with uh, emergency departments, uh, healthcare systems, corrections facilities, and firearm dealers, ranges, and gun owners um, regarding suicide prevention uh, training. And um, I also chair our Silver Committee, which works with veterans and first responders uh, to get them tools uh, to provide support to those who are on the front lines um, that are dealing with this epidemic. Thank you so much, Ann. Super powerful and looking forward to hearing more about that. Jennifer? Um, good morning, and um, thank you so much for having us. Um, I really appreciate having this space to talk about something that's so um, near and dear to me. I briefly, I'm a board member for um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Michigan chapter, and I'm also, I am also serve on the DEI committee. However, what brought me to AFSP is actually twofold. I lost my godfather in, um, 20, in 1987 to suicide. I was 17 years old at that time, so now I just gave my age. But <laughs> I lost my godfather at that time, and um, I was really confused about what was going on because in my community, the African-American Black community, um, suicide is seen as taboo. And so no one really talked about they were like, okay, he died and just let it go for several years until 2019, 2020, where um, I was on a member of the board for Michigan PTA. And I felt that it was very important to talk about mental health within our, with our youth and our families, because there were um, individuals who were, were struggling and some who were having um, ideation of um, suicide. And so I connected with AFSP Michigan and had no idea that through that connection of trying to help others, that it was helping me as well deal with the death from my godfather several years back. And so what I bring to the space is trying to um, help make sure that um, people who are um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, Latinx, Latino, Asian, that we know that suicide does not pick, um, you know, a certain demographic, that it affects everyone, and that it shouldn't be taboo. We need to talk about these very real situations and try to make it so we're not um, hiding somewhere and that this, you know, we don't want to hide anywhere. We want to make sure that we can all speak about this matter, and it's so important to me, and I thank you for um, allowing me to enjoy this conversation. It, it's my honor, and I, I love what you said. I Again, this is, this is I, I'm incredibly passionate about the mental health space, and um, I'm honored to be in 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 the company of of all of you. Um, by the way, before we dig in, and just because I want to respect it, um, do you go by Anne or Annie? Um, I go by Anne usually, um, but in in my more personal life, uh, Ian and friends call me Annie. But okay, I just wanted to respect it. What what do you prefer? Should I call you Anne? Yes, that's okay. Cool. Just wanted to make sure <laughs> your name. I have to honor that. Um, so I want to I want to take a um, a step back here before we 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 really really get into it. Will you um, will you talk about the effects that each of you think the pandemic has had on mental health? 
for all of us and, and really in the city of Detroit? First of all, I'll say that when we're looking at data, as far as suicide rates go, um, we really, it takes about two years to get accurate uh, data in. So there's about a two-year lag time for that. I will say that um, initial reports coming out of 2020 are rather promising, which is contrary to what we were hearing maybe in the beginning and where concerns were. Um, it, there's no doubt that there's been an increase in anxiety or um, depression being reported. Um, but one thing that's promising that we are seeing is um, an increase to the calls to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, to the crisis line, um, and why, if you read between the lines, why that's so important is because people are then taking those steps. They are reaching out for help. So yes, there are increased cases, but they're utilizing these tools that are there for them. Um, so it's no doubt that you know it hasn't been easy for, for many of us um, in Detroit and, and throughout the state as well. Um, but we are hopeful that you know we're seeing people reaching out for help. Um, and I will say that unlike any other major public health crisis or global health crisis, um, there has never been such a spotlight on mental health. Mental health has never been such an important part of the conversation as it has been with, with COVID. Um, we're seeing celebrities come out and talking about their mental health um, and athletes. Um, we're seeing, you know, businesses, organizations taking, talk, promoting self-care amongst their employees. So it's very much a part of the conversation and all of these things are going to help us in the long run and to normalize this conversation. Jennifer, do you have thoughts on, on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, what we found, um, well, what I found because I'm a DEI practitioner was um, we had a lot of youth and teens who were struggling with um, with um, the pandemic. And what it, what took place was uh, the pandemic allowed people to do have more um, open conversations about mental health. That's what I found, which was kind of odd to me at the time, because before that, it was kind of closeted, but now people are like, I need help. Someone, I need someone to talk to me. Even my teen comes up to me and says, Mom, he said, have you made an appointment for me to see a counselor? I'm like, yes, I did. And, you know, I have done that. And what I found was even as recently as um, yesterday, I was participating in a, um, another um, um, organization's um, um, event. And one of the presenters was talking about teen girls and mental health and suicide. Now, what I was supposed to be speaking about was totally different. I said, hold it, time out. I would love to join in and try to help with that because, you know, AFSP is with you all the time. It's not something that you just do or just have. And here in the, um, in, Mich in Michigan, in particular in Detroit, my husband's a school teacher in Detroit, he said that he's noticed that there were several of his students who were struggling and they were struggling because their parents were struggling. And even in his school, they've been talking about suicide prevention. And this is something that was not taking place. He's been a teacher for about 13 years. It was not taking place until now. So that's what encourages me because it was such a taboo subject. And I think it's, it's breaking that, we're breaking that, that, that um, screen, that wall of being a taboo subject. 100%. And, you know, and I want to, there's so much that I want to cover here. And, and I really want to get like right into it, because if there's somebody listening right now that either they themselves are really struggling with mental health and having suicidal thoughts or know somebody, what, what can they do? What should they do? I think this is the question that everybody like really wants to understand, like really tactical is there, Anne, can you, can you speak to that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to trusting your gut, um, whether you're talking about some, you know, seeing someone that you love who might be struggling or recognizing some possible warning signs in yourself. Um, a lot of times we might notice these signs in someone and then talk about it, you know, in hushed tones um, with someone else. And we're afraid to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone. I think it's a very common misconception. People believe that um, if you even say the word suicide or ask someone if they're suicidal, that will it will somehow implant this idea. It's quite the opposite. And that's literally kind of impossible to do. You can't implant suicidal thoughts into someone's head just by saying it, by having that real honest conversation, which, yes, can be difficult. Um, but by having that conversation, you are allowing that person to feel heard. You're allowing that person to feel like they're in a safe space. And then you can help um, get them to the more professional help that they may need. Um, I will also say that when you look at warning signs, it's important to note that this will look different in every person. So again, going back to trusting your gut, you know yourself and the people around you the best. So if something is out of character, um, then that's you know a sure sign that you should maybe start that conversation. General warning signs, we like to break down into three main categories of talk, behavior, and mood. So talk would be very outright you know, words talking about possibly being a burden or no longer wanting to live, things of that nature. Um, behavior would be um, anything uncharacteristic for that person. So um, maybe withdrawing from activities that they once loved and, you know, maybe some substance abuse, um, sleeping less, sleeping more. Um, and then mood would be, again, anything out of the norm for that person, more irritable, um, maybe feelings of rage, things along those lines. And we have all of these listed at AFSP.org as well. But ultimately, it comes down to trusting your gut and not being afraid to have that difficult conversation, whether it's with someone that you trust about yourself or um, with someone who you're concerned with. Yeah. And, and I just want to add to that. And I really appreciate you sharing that. I took a suicide prevention training um, a few years ago. Um, and the thing that I learned the most was that if you think you should ask the question, ask the question and to use suicide in the question, like, are you suicidal? And I think for many of us, myself included, I was terrified to even say the word, as you were saying, like I did. I, it's, it's like a terrifying word. But if you feel like you should ask the question, ask the question and use suicide in your question. That was a, that was like the, the number one thing. And then on the other side of it, it was that exactly what you just said is that people just want to feel heard. They, they don't, they don't, and, and I love your thoughts on this because you're the professional, but what I took away from it is they don't necessarily want to do this. They just want to be heard. And Absolutely. that was so powerful. Like give them the gift of listening, you know? Yes. And then you can also gauge what the next appropriate steps, you know, might be. And if someone does say, you know, yes, they are having these thoughts, then you might follow up with, do you have an active plan right now? Are you actively thinking of, of um, you know, taking your life? And if they respond yes to that, then you know that, you know, a crisis point is about to be reached and that it's become a bit more of, of a serious issue that needs immediate attention. Um and, and I will also mention, we get a lot of, oh, they're just joking or, you know, they're not really serious about that. If anyone is talking about suicide in, in any way, we're taking it seriously. Um, it's not up to us to determine if it's a joke or not. Um, and so all 
all mention of suicide needs to be taken seriously. And I, and thank you for saying that. And Jennifer, I want to give you a chance to jump in. Um, but Anne, will you just, if somebody knows somebody right now in this moment that, that they think needs help, they should have the conversation, be brave enough, have the conversation, but then what is the help they can get to this person? What is the number? Where do they go? Like, what is the actual thing they should do right now to take the step? The national, the national Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-TALK. And you can also, if someone is more comfortable in the texting world, which many people are, especially, you know, um, some youth, uh, you can text TALK to 741-741. I will also mention that both of those numbers, um, they, there are trained staff and volunteers um, who are there. A lot of people say, oh, I don't want to burden anyone. This is literally what these people love doing. They are there to listen to you. They are there to help you. Um, and what happens when you call that lifeline is you are ideally routed to somewhere local to you. Um, and then you're able to get resources local to your community. So local to Detroit, local to wherever you happen to be living. Um, and I will also say that they are there to help not only someone who is in crisis for themselves, but if you were looking for help and you just don't know what to do for your friend or your family, they can help walk you through that as well. Will you repeat? Thank you. That's beautiful. And thank you. Will you just repeat those numbers one more time? Sorry. Yeah. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. And then the, the crisis line is 741741 and I will say that um, next year, and one of the things that we do at AFSP is we fight for smarter um, mental health and suicide prevention legislation. And one of the pieces that we're very proud that we had a part in was to make um, a three-digit number for the lifeline. So that will be turning into 988 um, as early as next summer. The lifeline, the longer number, will stay open for, for quite a while while there's that crossover. What that will do is free up um, the 911 operators who maybe aren't equipped to deal with psychological crises. Mm. Um, and also just to have better funding is, is something we're always fighting for for that, but also just to normalize. I mean, imagine that, that then kids will grow up with a number just like 911 that is specifically mm. just for help with their mental health and how powerful just that one little thing is. Absolutely phenomenal to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Jennifer, please uh, chime in. There was something that um, Anne chimed in on that she uh, mentioned that took me um, right back to us um, in the current over the past few months when she was talking about um, online. Um, we know that everyone is pretty much online or um, has some kind of social media um, background. And I was on um, a social media platform and just randomly and a parent came on and said, I need help. My child is suicidal. And the first thing that I saw was like, okay, is anyone mentioning AFSP? Or, you know, anything. And the next thing I know, everyone was saying, oh, um, just pray, just pray, just pray. This person was an active suicidal um, um, position. And I said, okay, we need to talk. I said, start talking to the person. Start, you know, say, you know, ask them if, you know, obviously you know they're suicidal, but I said, ask if they're suicidal. I went through the same steps and talked saves lives online with this person and with the mom and i said okay the first thing i need to do is keep talking try to um contact a phone number do not let this person do not let your child you know away from you you know make sure that you're still with them and talk to her through it until the um the um, paramedics came and assisted the child now mind you they weren't in michigan at all I, at first i didn't know where they were i just saw you need help and what it is is doing something active 
it's like, yes, we want to say some good words. Like, you know, it's going to, you know, like, you know, they were saying, let's pray for you or, you know, it's going to be okay. But thing is, no, it wasn't going to be okay. This mom needed help and she needed help right then and right there. And I had never been in a position of helping someone online before. It was always like either, you know, talking to someone on the phone or someone who was really close, you know, locally to me. And so being able to do that, um, it was, it had my heart racing. I said, touch back with me. Let me know that everything is okay. I got a a, um, a DM, a direct message a few days later. And the, the mom was so thankful. She said, thank you so much. And, you know, I said, I, she said, I will call AFSP for my, um, for my child. And I said, do me a favor, call AFSP for yourself too, because mm. you're a survivor of this. Your child is still here, but that experience was gut wrenching for her. She was, you know, it was, it was challenging for her and me as a mom, I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I just, I was, I was nervous, but I was so happy that she was able to find some assistance. And that's what it basically comes back down to is trying to help one another. And yes, you know, so, and we have situations like that that take place in our local areas. It's like this parent could have been someone who was down the street from me. I didn't know. I just knew that this person needed help. And so we also have to really look into that because mental health, um, when we look at social media, sometimes um, there's things in there where you can see a filter where you have somebody on there who looks fantastic, but actually in the morning, they're not looking so <laughs> fantastic. But letting our youth know, and I always talk about our youth because I have children, is letting our youth know what you're seeing is not always what it is. You know, it's like, it's not always what you're, you know, it's not always what you think it is. And so just letting parents know, be, be aware. And I'm so glad that that parent was aware because she said one of the things that was taking place was her daughter was just giving things away, things that she knew her daughter would not give away. She was just giving it away and said, here, I don't need this. And she was happy about it. She was like, something is wrong. And thankfully, she said, you know, the daughter's like, I'm not going to be here anyway. And when she said that and some other things that I won't relay, and I said, Oh my goodness. And that's when the mom realized. And so it was, it still gives me goosebumps now. <laughs> it still gives me goosebumps now because I'm glad that the parent was there. And ultimately the um, teen was glad that they did not take their life. She said, she grabbed her mom and said, thank you. I'm so glad I didn't do that. And hmm. it was, it was touching. It was, it was hard. It's thank you so much for sharing that. And and that's what these kinds of things and AFSP and these conversations, we all need to be equipped on some level to have these conversations because we all need to be an army to help people to then get them to the professionals. But at least we can help be that bridge. You know yes. what I mean? And so yes. God bless you for doing that. I mean, literally, it's, it's legitimately saving lives. And, uh, you know, it's been said, it's like if you save one life, it's like you've saved them all. And it's like one by one, we need to just do this it's like um even if we're scared you know even if we're, we're scared so i want to i want to jump back in on talk saves lives will you talk about what this is how it can be done in the community and how people can get this to wherever they are because i think this is a really powerful tool so talk saves lives is um our most requested most delivered program um we have many core programs at afsp um, that are all evidence-based. Um, we also have some external programs that that we support, but we have um, our you know our main hub is around the, these um, few programs that we have, and our main one is called Talk Saves Lives. There are four different actual modules for it, technically five, 
um, our standard module, which is for really anyone. Um, so it's a community-based presentation. Um, it's about 45 minutes long, and then we have Q&A. It can be delivered both virtually and in person, and that's brought into communities free of charge. Um, so we can present that at libraries, at, at businesses, at community centers, really anywhere that will have us in a park. We've done it outside, um, really anywhere. And that is a great overview of where we currently are with research. Um, it goes more into depth of warning signs and um, kind of who's at risk and, and what we all need to be looking out for, steps we can all take. So it's a really nice overview. Um, and then we have some other modules for that specifically for the LGBTQ plus um, community. We have one specifically around firearm um, and suicide prevention, which is not a second amendment issue in any way. Um, it's just a matter of more gun safety and in relation to suicide prevention, because we do know that um, firearms are used in a majority of suicides. Um, and then we have a module for seniors and suicide uh, amongst the senior population. Suicide is very underreported, and, and that's an area that we, we really want to get this information out to. Um, and then we have a workplace setting module as well. Um, so we are happy to, which, which focuses more on just looking at Talk Saves Lives in through the lens of what that looks like, maybe at a larger business or corporation. So um, again, we're happy to bring that in. We also have um, several other programs are more than sad program, which has three different modules for parents, um, a school staff. I say that because it's not just for educators or for teachers. That would also be for the people working in the lunchroom and the people working in a front office. Um, and then we have one for so parents, teens, and then the, the school staff, which focuses mainly around um, teens and suicide prevention. Um, and we have a whole, you know, other ones that you can see at AFSB.org slash Michigan. This is so helpful for all levels. Is it, how do people literally book this? What do they do? If somebody's listening, like, I want to bring this into my company, or I want to bring this into my school, or I want to bring this into my community. Where, what do people, how do people set that up? You can go on our website at AFSP.org slash Michigan. Um, my contact information is right there. There's also more information about each one of these programs. So you can learn a little bit more about what might be right for your community and what you'd like to see bring in. Um, just yesterday, Ian was actually uh, in downtown Detroit. He presented Talk Saves Lives at the Detroit Wayne Integrated Health Network for their suicide prevention conference which was fantastic. So um, I, I always like to joke, I, I throw out the town of Ishpeming for some reason, but we'll go everywhere from Detroit to Ishpeming. Um, and like I said, one tool that we added to our toolbox in the pandemic is that we are able to now present these programs virtually, which has helped us quite a bit in expanding our reach and, and how, you know, how many people we can deliver this information to. Absolutely. Um, will you talk about the walks I know that's an important part that you had mentioned um, when the next one is why you do them, what it's like when you have one of these, if somebody hasn't experienced them. Yeah. So we have 10 out of the darkness walks happening this fall. Um, we also have campus walks in the spring, but our, our main community events are these out of the darkness walks in the fall. Um, we are kicking off our walk season this weekend um, in Traverse City, and we have one in Grand Rapids and one in Rochester. Um, and then we'll have several other over the course of the next about month and a half. Our last and largest event will be for our Metro Detroit Walk, um, which the last several years was held in Hart Plaza. 
Um, and it was wonderful being right down on the riverfront. We made the decision to move there in 2017. We had been in a park before that, about 40 miles outside of Detroit. Um, and, you know, you see a lot of these kind of events in parks and and that very much speaks to survivors of suicide loss and, and feeling like that comfort and it's nice and relaxing. But we were hidden back in those trees. And so much of our work and what we do is, like I think we mentioned earlier, normalizing this conversation and not being afraid to, you know, be out there. And so um, and that prevention piece of it is so important to not be hidden. So we wanted to find the most beautiful backdrop we could and be as central as we could in um, you know, our beautiful Detroit. So we were there for several years. Um, this year, we are actually moving to downtown Ferndale due to scheduling conflicts, but we will be there on October 16th, right in the streets of Ferndale, which will still be a fantastic event. Um, and they are for survivors of suicide loss, such as myself. Um, they are for people with lived experience, which again, just refers to someone who currently struggles or someone who has made an attempt um, or for anyone who supports someone in their life or anyone who just recognizes this as a social issue and one that we should all support. Um, it's a safe space for everyone. They're all inclusive events. Um, we have resources from different organizations throughout the, the community that are there. There are family friendly activities. Um, there are activities for hope and healing. We have a ceremony. It really is a lovely day. When you think about this, I think people think, oh, it would be just too sad. I wouldn't be able to, you know, to go through that. I, my overwhelming experience leaving, and this was even just when I was a participant and most people that I engage with, I think the main takeaway is a sense of hope um, at the end of the day and, and some peace, hopefully that they are not alone and to know wherever, whatever has brought you to one of these walks you are supported. There is a community that understands it um, and and that there is hope. Thank you so much for sharing that. Jennifer, will you just talk about in, in the city of Detroit, what do you feel like is the current state of, of mental health? And what would you want people in the city to know or do more of as as they look at mental health for themselves and others? Um, what I feel is most prevalent in um, the city of Detroit right now is that we're becoming, in the metro area and in Detroit, we're becoming more aware of our mental health, becoming more aware of self-care. We're trying to make sure it's, um, it's not like uh, um, people are taking mental health days and they're not upset about it. They're not ashamed to say, I need a mental health day or I need some time off. And aside from that, you have employers who are saying, yes, you may do this. Yes, you may take that. Or they'll walk up and say, um, do you need a mental health day? Do you need to take a day off? You know, you're granted to do this. And yes, we know that's not in every case, but guess what is happening more often now than it was before. And that's what I'm very encouraged about. We have um, teachers who are um, becoming more aware. They're taking talk safe lives. They're taking more than sad. Parents are doing it as well. So they can become more aware of what's going on with their children, with their students. We have, as Ann shared, we have you know, in the workplace, we have employers who are actively making sure that they're doing all that they can to help support the mental health awareness for individuals in Detroit. And that's what I'm most encouraged about because we, it, when the pandemic, pandemic came along, 
yes, it scared everyone half to pieces. And we were like, what do we do? We came together and what it is, we start recognizing things that needed to be in place in our lives in which we kept hidden. We know that we don't have to hide when we're struggling. We don't have to hide when we see someone else struggling. We see a loved one struggling. We're not sitting there like, okay, maybe they'll get it together. Maybe they'll be okay. We'll walk up. Do you need help? And if they say no, we're like, well, I'm kind of noticing you might need some help. I'm going to sit with you. And so we're becoming more active in our activism. <laughs> we're becoming more active in what we're, um, we're doing to help and assist one another and ourselves. Sometimes, it's like our lives are so busy. We're running, we're running, we're running. We're like, okay, I need to slow down. I need to slow down. And the fact that you can say that I need to slow down makes it so you're, you are more aware. And so what it does is you're like, okay, I need to stop. And you just stop. Or you're just the awareness. It's the awareness and being able to have resources like AFSP because like when I would go to, um, you know, I would go to trainings or even, you know, participate and um, conduct trainings, I felt so empowered afterwards. Um, I know my um, my husband, he laughs because I was in a board meeting and after the, I mean, after board meeting, he looked at me, he said, who was that you were meeting with? And I said, AFSP Michigan. And he said, you, get, you were having the best time. He said, I never heard you having so much just, you know, positive fun. And then he said, talking all this, but he said, really? And I said, yes. And so it's not that, you know, suicide prevention is not like, you know, it's not glum and, and a hard thing. It's, it's becoming aware. It's having those conversations. It's becoming closer to one another and to your community. It's helping you to say, look, I care about you. We can do this. I would also add that something that we've seen change in the last few years on an organizational level, on a larger level with suicide prevention in Michigan and in Detroit, is that we're seeing different, there are a lot of amazing organizations throughout the state and in Detroit do, doing some wonderful work in the suicide prevention and mental health world. And in the last few years, we've seen more collaboration than ever before. And we know that that is so crucial to getting us you know, to that end goal, which would be to reduce or eliminate, you know, these suicide rates. So that's something that's very promising. Even um, Governor Whitmer creating the Suicide Prevention Commission um, and the work that they're doing there. Um, and that's such a huge collaborative effort. So that is very promising to me, the more that we can work, you know, with each other and lean on each other. And the more that or larger national organizations, we're the arm of a national organization, can work with smaller local groups. And we're only, like I said, we're, we're only stronger together. So. Absolutely. I'm so glad that Anne mentioned that. I have to plug in. That, um, we have a collaboration with um, Affirmations in Ferndale and I serve on the board there too. And what it is is that we um, together, AFSP and Affirmations, it's like this one seamless unit when it comes to mental health, when it comes to suicide prevention, it was, it was so easy to have this conversation between the two entities and seeing that, you know, this is what was needed because in the LGBTQ community, um, they have, there's so many challenges that are taking place there. And then the pandemic comes along and even aside from the pandemic, it was just, there were so many challenges and letting them know, guess what, we're here for you. And as Anne said, the collaborations that we're having, even with, with different schools, with different organizations is fantastic and it's you're seeing this broader picture this broader spectrum and it's becoming so large in that we it's like even though it's a large um spectrum 
we're still intertwined together to work towards one goal and one mission. And that's what's so encouraging about the work. And and what you guys are saying to this, this theme that's coming through is doing. This isn't about hoping things are going to get better. It, this is about taking care of yourself, being aware of self-care, sleeping, meditating, exercising, taking time off. Also, doing and being active for others who you think need it. Like, again, this isn't like, well, I hope they I hope they're OK. No, ask the question like you never know, like you never know, like the upside of asking is worth any bit of awkwardness or insecurity that we have. Just do it. Just ask. It's it will. It could save a life. And the beautiful thing is with you guys and AFSP, these organizations, they're there to then again, bridge that gap. All you have to do is start. And then you're met by professionals. And so, you know, if I take anything away from this, it's about doing, it's about acting. It's about let's be brave enough to take care of ourselves and others who are in need that we, we have good guts. We all know when something is off. And so we shouldn't leave that off. We should go and turn it back on and figure out ways. And thank God there's, there's organizations that are now there to do these and doing walks and, you know, having the ability to text and having a, you know, eventually a three digit number. That's, that's game changing in our world. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. So I'm totally grateful for you guys sharing this. Are there any just last thoughts, messages? Where should people go? Again, just reminders. Um, and I'll give you uh, the first crack. And Jennifer, I'll let you close it up. Yeah, a, a couple random thoughts. Um, one thing I, I think that I, everyone can take away is how we talk about suicide matters, the language that we use when we're talking about suicide matters. And you've done a wonderful job here today using the correct um, terminology. Um, a lot of times we hear people say the word commit. That's not something that we want to say. So instead, we encourage people to use language such as someone died by suicide or took their, their own life. Um, and that's because that has such a negative connotation and also implies choice. Um, so we want to kind of eliminate that from from how we speak about suicide. We also, it's when we're reporting on or talking about an actual suicide, it's just not necessary and it's dangerous to talk about the means one used. Um, and, and all that means is just their, their method um, and how they died. It's just not important to discuss. So we try to eliminate that from that discussion as well. Um, so I just kind of wanted to throw those in. Another thing I would mention is, you know, we talked a lot about seeking professional mental health help. Um, and some people might say, oh, well, I can't do that. I don't know. You know, I can't. I, I, my employer won't cover it. Um, I want to make sure because a lot of people don't know that there is mental health parity now, which just means that um, your employer by law has to cover your mental health health care coverage just as they would you going to the doctor for any physical ailment. And at the end of the day, that's the ultimate goal, right, is that we we as a society and, and we as people are treating our mental health the same way as we're treating our physical health. So yes, if you have health insurance, you can go seek mental health help. Um, and also you can visit your community mental health, your CMH near you. That's a great starting point. Um, if you do need to seek free services, there are some, some um, they can help point you in the right direction there, as well as I believe it's psychology today. Is that it? Do you know that, Jen? That can help plug in kind of what you're looking for um, as far as what's local to you and available in your community. So that's absolutely beautiful. And Jennifer, before I give you the last word, I just I just want to say 
And I, that's so beautifully said because, and I, and I hope this is not the case, but there's so many people that struggling with this, that, that maybe somebody listening to this is, is, should I do it? Should I call? Should I get help? Like, please be brave enough to get help. It, it's so, I remember, like, I struggled tremendously with anxiety. And this is obviously, you know, suicide is, is so, so, so intense. It, it, all of this is, is very hard to understand. It's scary. I just urge people to take your advice and to listen to what we're saying here. There's so much help available. I, I, for me personally, I was like, well, I don't need to go to like therapy. Like who I don't, I, I never considered myself like I would have to do that. But when I went, it was so empowering. You start to understand your mind and you start to, to look at your mental health, just like you said, and as your physical health. I mean, imagine if, if you had a broken bone and it was clearly broken, if your foot was broken, you wouldn't just say, oh, it's fine. I'll just, I'll, it's fine. I'll deal with it. I'll manage. You would go and get a cast on it. So if you know that you're struggling and your brain needs some help, let's go and take care of it. And so it's just as simple as that. And I know I say that, I know that's easier said than done. It's kind of been ingrained in us that, that therapy, I, I don't, I, there's this, we need to start thinking about it, seeking help, going to therapy. That's the strong thing to do. Um, and so hopefully people can, can hear that and really know that it's okay. And that there are so many people out there who want to help you. It's almost like this, 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 this like label of therapy is like, I've lost. Like, it's like, uh, I, 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 I've where like what you're saying, it's almost like just going to a coach the same way LeBron is working out with his coach. We have to work out our minds. Absolutely. Seeking that is actually empowering. So I love that conversation. And I think it's absolutely the perspective we should have on it. It's empowering. You know, Jennifer, the, the last word, my friend. Absolutely. Um, I, it is, you know, it is like having a coach. It's the same thing. It's like when you, as Ann shared, when you have a broken arm, you don't just walk around with your arm broken. This, you will be in pain. Just like if you're um, struggling um, mentally, you're in pain. Try to seek that help. There are there is help everywhere. And I would love to speak directly to um, those who are Black and African-American, Asian, Latinx, um, Middle Eastern. It is okay to seek help. It is okay to seek help. You don't, it's not, don't continue to make this a taboo subject because when it remains under the covers, it creates more problems for yourself and it creates more problems for your loved ones. Do it for yourself. When I look at, um, you know, I look over the course of years, over 25, 30 years of, of struggle, of wondering why my um, godfather, you know, why he passed away. And I said, well, it's not about why he passed away. It's the fact that no one spoke about it, period. And I thought to myself, I said, I wonder how many other people out there are going through the same thing. And I found out there are several people, once they start talking about it, they said, okay, we can't continue. We have to speak up. We have to speak out. And I'm not even sure why it's a taboo subject. I have no idea. And I'm a Black woman. I have no idea why it's a taboo subject, but I just know this. It cannot remain. We have to put the be brave enough to say we can do this. And what I love, and I will bring it back to um, this past summer with the, um, the winter, um, the winter, summer Olympics, I was so encouraged with um, Simone Biles when she stopped and said, I need a break. 
And I said, because I was watching, yes, I was up at 6.45 in the morning, <laughs> ready to watch. And I'm sitting there and I can see, you know, I saw she stepped away. And when it came back and I said, wow. I would, and, the, and what she did was when she did that, it empowered so many people. It empowered me because the following week I had a schedule that was out of this world. And I said, okay, you know what? I have to stop. And I said, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I stopped. And I had to do, now this is me as a person who works with AFSP, who's on the board with AFSP, who presents to individuals. I said, I need to stop. And I was so glad I stopped. And it felt so empowering. It's like, I said, guess what? Whatever that is I need to do, and I still forgot what it was, it's going to be there. It's going to remain because it's still there now. And what it did was it helped me to take more time for myself, but also more time for my kids. I sit up every morning before we go to school. My son and I, we read 20 minutes of a book. And I wasn't doing that before. And I have to say that Simone Biles, she's you know in her 20s, that helps so many youth to be able to say, I'm going to stop and do this. And what we need to do as adults, well, seasoned adults, <laughs> is to allow that time to take place. Don't say, you know, like, well, you just have to push through. You have to just, you know, push through. No, this is pushing through. Stopping is pushing through. <laughs> so that's what I was so encouraged with. And um, young individuals like that, they, I learned from them and I'm encouraged. And thank you for giving us this platform to share. Thank you so much. That was so wonderfully and powerfully said. Just beautiful. Everybody, thank you so, so, so much for, for listening. And please um, go, go, go. Sorry, one last thing. No, I, no, I could be sorry. here all day and talking about this. Uh, uh, please, please. Um, we spent please. so much time talking about prevention, and that is clearly at the core, you know, of, of what we do. But I have to have to also mention um, survivors of suicide loss and the support that is available for you if you've lost someone to suicide. Um, and we know what that struggle is like. Um, and please, you know, know that there are support groups and you can find a list of local support groups to you on our website as well. I will also mention that annually, the Saturday before Thanksgiving is International Survivor of Suicide Loss Day, which this year is November 20th. Um, we still have events popping in, but we will have them throughout the state. Um, and so please, and we will also have one virtually if you do not have one near you or if you're more comfortable in that space. They are not fundraising events. It's much more intimate. Um, we and, and it's specifically for survivors of loss. So I very much encourage someone, especially those with a new loss in their life, but really anyone. Um, I still get something out of those events. Um, and, and, you know, my loss occurred over 14 years ago. So I definitely just wanted to mention that there is support out there if you have lost someone um, to suicide. So we're here. Will you thank you for mentioning that? Will you please just one more time? Um, give the contact information, the best place for people to go for AFSP and also the uh, phone numbers and text just one more time. Um, yeah. So you can find a complete list of our programs, of the walks that we mentioned, um, how to get involved with us if you're interested. We're always looking for volunteers. Um, and that would be at AFSP.org slash Michigan. And then those lifeline numbers again, that's 1-800-273-TALK. And the text line is 741-741. Thank you both from the bottom of my heart for sharing all that you did today. It's so important, it's so timely, and you guys are just wonderful um, for the work that you're doing and, and sharing it today. So thank you so much again. Thank you so much. A priority. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to what Jennifer, Ian, and Anne had to say. 
just in case you or anyone you know may need those numbers. I'm going to repeat them again. If you're in crisis or know somebody who is in crisis, those numbers are 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text TALK to 741741. Again, text TALK to 741741. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we'll see you soon.